athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. You're locked in to the Dopey Show on radio. This is Box to Row. I am your host, Donald Ware. As always, we got a whole lot to get to on today's program. Aaron Rodgers once out of Green Bay. We mentioned this when the story came down uh, during, as a matter of fact, on draft day, the beginning of draft day last Thursday, and the story is still there. The thing about it, like we haven't heard from Aaron Rodgers on this situation. And I want to get your thoughts. Where are you on this? And more specifically, Green Bay fans, where are you on this? Is management right? Is Aaron Rodgers right? Listen, he played the entire season. This is where I stand. And we got a lot to get to on today's program. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk uh, some NBA. We're going to talk about the National Football League draft and the lack of HBCU players that were, in fact, drafted. I I look at this and... Yeah, I mean, you know, he's unhappy for a number of different reasons, I suppose. Like, that's the whole problem. We haven't heard why uh, exactly he is unhappy. So, you know, I want to hear, I'd like to hear from him, you know, on that particular situation to see, okay, what what is it? I mean, why, what what is it that he is so unhappy about? Is he unhappy uh, because... The Packers decided to go uh, with the quarterback in the first round last year, moved up to take him. We didn't hear this prior to the start of the season. I don't even think we heard it at any point during the course of last season. And now all of a sudden, this is something that seems to be a problem, at least as it's reported, right? Jordan Love was that guy, but we haven't. Really, and, and from all accounts, Jordan Love is not ready to. He's not ready to rock and roll. Like he's not ready to go uh, to be the starting quarterback for the Packers. So that's an issue in of itself. Because this is where I sit. You know, I mean, if if in 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 the Packers, I mean, both sides have power here, right? The Packers can say, okay, um, if you don't want to play, don't play. Right. They don't have, you know, they're not forced to trade him. Right. I mean, if I think if they trade him and I mean, it's just, you know, the the, the salary, you know, it, it would be it would take a lot to make a trade uh, for another team to receive uh, air, uh, to get Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, you definitely would need a quarterback in return if, in fact, love is not ready to rock and roll, but they can hold his signing bonus. I mean, yes. Aaron Rodgers has meant everything 
to Green Bay. He has been as much he has meant as much to Green Bay as Brett Favre meant to Green Bay. It, it, it's not it's a it's a it's a similar situation. Remember when the the Packers drafted uh, drafted as a matter of fact Aaron Rodgers and you know Brett Favre was used to you know he's holding out all of that. I remember, I remember that vividly because it was the first year we started Boxero back in 2005, and that was a, a big topic of conversation. So it's 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 different, but it's similar in that respect. Uh, but listen, I mean, I think the mistake that the Packers made was not informing if you have a a franchise like they don't you don't owe any of the players anything but if we're working together and especially a guy like an Aaron Rodgers at least give him a heads up hey man look we understand that um, you're you're still playing at a very high level there's no question about that we don't think you're gonna you know you're you're not you know you don't show any signs of diminishing what a phenomenal season you even had uh, a good season you had even in 2019. Uh, I, the Packers made the NFC Championship game also in 2019 as well as 2020. Um, but listen, we got to look at our future beyond even you because all good things must come to an end. Everybody's going to retire at some point. Even if that's four years down the line, they're saying maybe this is our guy. He sits behind you for three years. Maybe he's ready to rock, rock and roll in year four, because you have that five-year contract if the team, generally it's a four-year contract and the team picks up the option for the fifth year. So that's the way the Packers were looking at it. That's fine. I do think not that the Packers owe Aaron Rodgers or does any team owe any player any explanation, but I think if we're working together, then you as the Packers have to say to Aaron Rodgers, this is what we're, you don't have to, you don't have to ask him for his approval. You just have to say, hey, look, this is what we're thinking, okay? And then he can react in any way. So, you know, the the Packers didn't do that. He's upset about it now. Day of draft, he, he, uh, you know, he puts it out there or it's put out there. He knows knows if he says it to whomever, then it's going to be out there. And and, and now we're thinking, you know, there's all kinds of – thoughts and all this swirling around, but we haven't heard from Aaron Rodgers. From a management side, again, you don't have to tell the players anything, although I think you should because we're working together to try to achieve something. But listen, I mean, he'll, you know, some of the talk was, well, he doesn't, you know, they should have drafted some other players, get them a little bit more help or whatever. I think the Packers had some weapons. Um, I think they were solid defensively, just not so much in the NFC Championship game. And Aaron Rodgers has to take a look in the mirror as well. One As talented a quarterback as, as Rodgers is, he's won three MVPs. The, the, the Packers have been to multiple NFC Championship games, yet the Packers in Aaron Rodgers' time has only won one Super Bowl. You got to look at the player too. Like if you got that talent level that he's always had, talented wide receivers around him, even going back to the days of uh, not so long of all corn States, uh, Donald driver. Like he's had guys that can ball Jordy Nelson. Look, you know, at some point, and, and it's not just all on one player. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and say, well, it's all on the quarterback, but you know how it is. It's all about the quarterback. The quarterback takes way too much credit 
or gets too way too much credit a lot of times when a team wins and may, way too much blame when a team loses. That said, sometimes you got to look at yourself in the mirror. What have I not done that has contributed to this, to us only winning as me being arguably the best quarterback in the league? I mean, you can argue, I mean, he's, you know, t- from a talent perspective, the way he plays the game, his arm strength, his scramble ability, all of those things, his thinking, his thought process. I mean, you can argue that he's one of the top five quarterbacks to ever play the game, yet he's only won one Super Bowl. So I think that some accountability also rests with Rodgers. And oh, by the way, you all, meaning the Packers, had an opportunity to win the NFC Championship last year against the Bucks. What did you do? Uh, to th- that might have prevented that from also happening. So would love to hear from Aaron Rodgers on this. I want to get your thoughts on this uh, as well as we continue on the program. And, of course, you can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. Before we go any further, thank you to all of the outstanding affiliates around the country that carry BoxToRow, those that listen to us on Sirius XM channels 141 and 142 and those that listen to us around the world at BoxToRow.com. We're going to talk some NBA on the program. Mike Wallace, the senior editor of Grind City Media, is going to join us on the program. LeBron James had some interesting things to say earlier in the week, including the fact that he thinks that whoever came up with the play-in scenario that, you know, with that 7, 8, 9, 10 matchup uh, should be fired. So I'm going to get, you know, I definitely don't agree with that. I think it's a lot of fun. I like it, as a matter of fact. I think a lot of people like it. So we'll get Mike Wallace's thoughts on that. Remember, Mike covered um, LeBron the whole time that LeBron was in Miami. So he knows uh, LeBron uh, uh, from covering him. So again, we'll talk with Mike Wallace from NBA, Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. So the National Football League draft took place Friday, or excuse me, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday of last week. Not one single, not one single HBCU player was taken in the National Football League draft I think it's an absolutely a it it is a disgrace uh, because think about it the first time the first player HBCU player in the National Football League was Paul Tank Younger out of Grambling that was 1949 the first player drafted into the National Football League was Robert Stonewall Jackson out of North Carolina A&T in 1950 from 1950 to 2020 there was at least one player in all of those years drafted into the National Football League draft. The National Football League holds an HBCU combine. What? To determine the number of free agents that that it could sign, which they've signed not as many as we've seen in years past. Listen, I get it. We're going to talk about COVID and COVID uh, this and COVID that. I mean, you can talk about COVID to me all day, and maybe that did play a part in terms of 
the numbers, the potential numbers of HBCU players that could have been drafted. The problem with that premise, there wasn't a single player drafted. You mean to tell me a guy like a David Moore, who was the offensive lineman of the week in the Reese's Senior Bowl for his team, was not drafted? You mean to tell me a guy like a Brian Mills who showed out at the Reese's Senior Bowl as well, a guy that's 6'1", a corner, runs a 4-4-5, wasn't drafted? You mean to tell me a guy like a Mac McCain of North Carolina A&T who had four pick sixes in his three-year career, phenomenal player, runs a 4-3-8-40, was not drafted? No, unbelievable. That is an absolute disgrace by the National Football League. Would it, what's the point of the combine? Like, what's the point? I get it. Teams draft who they want to draft. Like, I get all of that. I'm that, and that's not, you know, that's not what I'm saying. But I am saying that a guy like a Mac McCain, you can say, well, he declared in January, whatever. He was already on the radar. You knew the kid could play. Inexcusable and really a shame that not one single player. Uh, from an HBCU was drafted this year into the National Football League draft. The first time since the first player ever from an HBCU was drafted back in 1950. So we're talking about a run of 70 years, 71 years of players being drafted. And in the 72nd year, a player from an HBCU was not drafted. I just said a little while ago, all good things must come to an end. I get that. It comes to an end when maybe the talent level isn't that great, but the talent level, at least for the players I mentioned, was pretty good. We're going to switch gears, talk some NBA up next here on Box to Row. Your thoughts on anything that I had to say, no HBCU players drafted, hit me up via Twitter at Box to Row, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, or on Facebook, B-O-X, the number two, R-O-W. W. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. The neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. For more information, log on to their website at harlembeernc.com. Find the Box to Row YouTube page for conversations with stars like Amari Hardware, Brandy, Michael Strahan, and with some of our favorite sports guests over the years. Times in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, as, of course, you have the Andrew Brown Jr. killing by the police. And we're praying for those in Elizabeth City and our affiliate there, WRVS, which is actually doing a great job in the community, but also with respect 
to Elizabeth City State. Elizabeth City State lost a legend. As a matter of fact, not just Elizabeth City State in college basketball and HBCUs lost a legendary figure, legendary figure in coach Robert Vaughn or Bobby Vaughn passed away uh, on Wednesday at the age of 93 years old, had a 37-year career. As a matter of fact, was the first coach at Elizabeth City State, went on to have 502 career wins as the head coach, and also the Vikings won two CIAA tournament championships. And he meant so much more to HBCUs and to Elizabeth City State. He was he was a professor uh, there at the university, uh, just a big-time figure and a big loss uh, a game. Bobby Vaughn, Coach Bobby Vaughn, passing away at the age of 93 on Wednesday. As promised, we're going to talk some NBA here on Box to Row. And to do so, we're joined by the senior editor of Grind City Media. He's covered the NBA for many, many years. Covered it with ESPN. Covered it with, of course, the Miami Herald. He is Mike Wallace. Joins us here on Box to Row. What's going on, Mike? Hey, what's going on, D, man? Always a pleasure to be on with you, man. A lot to get to, man. There's so much going on, brother. What? And listen, you know, we, we had you on a couple of weeks ago, so I was joking with you a little bit a couple of weeks ago, but wait a minute. The Washington Wizards are making a bit of a push here, right? Like, what, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, again, you, you look at the loss to, to Milwaukee, but I mean, you know, they fought Milwaukee hard. Uh, uh, but I want to get your thoughts. I mean, like, with the Wizards, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's still a lot to play. Toronto's right on their heels. Um, have an opportunity to maybe win a play-in series, and I mean, I don't. I'm not going to say they're going to give anybody. They're going to beat win a you know a playoff series, but I mean, the bottom line is they're playing pretty well right now. Yeah, they are. They are. I mean, one of the things is is that you're one. You wonder why they didn't play to this level uh, because it's not like a whole lot of the personnel changed or anything like that. It just you know a couple tweaks here and there. They got through the trade deadline, making some minor moves or whatever, but. You know, at the end of the day, this was always going to be about Bertans. Could he hit threes and stay healthy? And obviously your backcourt, Bradley Beal, and, you know, obviously Russell, Russell Westbrook. You got the NBA's lead scorer on one side, and then you got, you know, an MVP guy on, on the other who's, who's probably heading towards becoming the triple-double king uh, of the NBA at some point. So it's one of those deals where, you know, at some point, whether they were going to wake up and defend well enough to give their offense a chance to outscore you, that was always going to be the question with Washington. And over the second half of, uh, of the season, we're seeing them get to uh, some level of uh, consistency and contention. So, yeah, they're right there on the cusp of making that play-in. And if you get those guys in a one-game elimination-type situation in the play-in, they could be absolutely dangerous. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the East. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 interesting what you said in terms of Westbrook and MVP. And, I mean, it, it didn't look like that early on. As a matter of fact, man, early on, it looked like the trade may have been a disaster, to be honest with you. And all of a sudden, he is playing at an MVP level, no question about it. I mean, it'd be hard to win because the Wizards aren't that great. But, I mean, he, he definitely has played his way at least into the uh, MVP conversation. Really, if you look at it, in the last month or so with all of these triple-doubles, we used to look at the triple-doubles like, as ah, just one thing, but, but, but I mean, when you have 24 assists in the ball game, you're doing something. 
Oh yeah, you you definitely are. And and, and his backcourt mate is is outdoing him in terms of uh, player of the week, player of the month type things because Bradley Beal is putting up all the points and scoring off a lot of those assists that Russell Westbrook is setting them up with. So, you know, again, this, this should have worked. It should not have underachieved to the degree it did throughout the course of this season. But you know what? In a season like this, Donald, you got to extend a lot of grace, a lot of forgiveness, a lot of patience, because these teams are dealing with COVID issues. Washington had one of the worst COVID stretches as a team uh, in terms of health and safety protocols of any team in the league earlier this season. So they had to get through that. Then they had to get through – the chemistry and the connection issues, and then some injuries hit them. So it's one of those situations where eventually they got to this point. And I'm not saying they're going to win it all, but what I'm saying is that if you get them in a 9-10 in a, in a and then they get a win in that 9-10 bracket and then go and play the loser of the 7-8 and then knock a team off ahead of them that probably should uh, be better than them, like when you look at 7-8-9-10 in the East, you could throw all those teams basically in a hat and then just pull out one, and it, and it wouldn't surprise you who comes out of it. And right now, with the way the Wizards are playing with Russell Westbrook, uh, they're right in that hat as well. Yeah. The Bucks. Let, let's talk about the Bucs. You look at back-to-back wins against the Nets. I mean, it was a good game. Had a chance to watch that game on Sunday and Tuesday, um, as a yeah. matter of fact. And I, I just thought the, I mean, the – but the question is always going to be, what are the Bucks going to do in the playoffs? But, I mean, if you go back maybe a month ago, it, it, it was looking kind of shaky. But right now, the Bucks are playing really well. Yeah, they, they are playing well, and, and they, they, you know, they're in a situation where, you know, they did what they had to do. You know, they're, they're winning some games at home that, you know, that Giannis is staying healthy. Uh, you're seeing Drew Holiday reach his potential. Uh, Chris Middleton is still being able to be, you know, one of the better second options that we have in this league in terms of a one-two dynamic punch. Um, and, and they're getting balanced across the board. You know, some of their bench guys are coming in and playing well as well. So, you know, again, the Bucks are a team that, you know, they've been up there. They've been at the top of the East in terms of having the best regular season record. They've won a couple of rounds of playoffs. But now it's up to them where they are in this championship or bust mentality. If they don't win a championship, it's a failure for them because of what they've done. They loaded up. Giannis signed the big-time extension. They loaded up with Drew, uh, Drew Holiday, signed his long-term extension. Chris Middleton is under contract for several more years under a big contract. This is their team. So it's one of those deals where they have to deliver at this point and, oh, by the way, they got to go up against a Brooklyn Nets team that got assembled after all of this took place. And then you're still looking at a Philadelphia 76ers team that might quietly be the best team in the league if, you know, if they can get hot and get Ben Simmons healthy and all those things. But I like the Bucks as well as anyone. But, again, just like with the 7, 8, 9, 10, you could throw the 1, 2, 3, 4 in the East in a hat too and just pull out one team. And I would say, you know what, yep, I can see them winning in the East as well. Yeah. That the voice of Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. Check out his work at grindcitymedia.com. He joins us here on uh, Box to Row, uh, of course, uh, talking some NBA. The Knicks, like, man, the Knicks yeah. are playing so well. It's the talk, and it's like the talk. You know, all, you know, all the New York national guys are loving it. The Knicks are back. They're the greatest thing on earth. I mean, they're playing well. There's no question about it. What do you think will happen? I mean, do they have the – you know, the elements necessary. And I know Tom Thibodeau is an excellent coach to win uh, not only a playoff series, but possibly go to the Eastern Conference Finals. That's like winning a playoff series uh, and getting to the Eastern Conference Finals, man, that's a significant jump, though, because, you know, once you get past that first round, then fatigue starts to play, then mental, you know, fatigue starts to get in. You got to wonder, do the guys have the intestinal fortitude to, to really pull it together? Um, I, I don't think that they're deep enough 
I think they're good enough to win a, a first round, especially if they get the 4-5 and they're the home court advantage team. Um, they're a team that you don't want to play because they're going to be physical. They can break you down and isolate you to death. You know, they got three different guys that are capable of beating you off the dribble and scoring over you no matter what. Derrick Rose has rejuvenated his career at 32 years old. You know, Julius Randle is a quiet MVP candidate. And R.J. Barrett is, is arguably, you know, one of the most improved players from, from rookie year to second year uh, that we've seen in this league. And it's one of those situations where that entire uh, rookie class last year, all of those top guys have gotten better. When you look at Ja Morant, obviously Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett is right there, too, in terms of doing his part on this team. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the Knicks can do. They're certainly a team that is, is as hot as any in the NBA right now uh, with the way they played over the last three, four weeks of this season. So at one point they won 11 out of 12. Uh, that's a team that's finding out what they're capable of and getting there too. Last thought with respect to the East. I mean, where do you see the Hawks Celtics heat? They're all right there in that five yeah. to seven range. Where, where do you see those teams? Heat, of course, um, making it all the way to the finals um, on, on last year. Miami Heat, that, that's the wild card. That, that, that's indeed the wild card because they're good enough to beat anybody in the East in the series because of their mental toughness and their defense, and they have enough guys and, and enough depth to throw at you where you can have any number of five or six guys that are capable of leading them and scoring on any given night. They're the most versatile lineup, most versatile team uh, that you're going to see in terms of different ways in which they can play. Can they score 120? Yes, they can. Can they beat you in an 89 to 85 slug fest? Yes, they can. Do they have the experience? of shot shaking up the East last year in the bubble and getting all the way to the NBA Finals. Yes, they can. So they're the wild card. Now, when you look at Atlanta and, you know, Boston, Boston should be a little bit better than what they are. Um, I'm, I'm wondering what's going to happen with that team because if they get bounced in the first round and then you're seeing some of the rumblings coming out of Indiana right now, yes, Brad Stevens, you know, turned down the opportunity to go coach uh, at, in college at the Indiana ranks in terms of that. He, he quieted that. But if the Indiana Pacers job suddenly comes open, you're going to more than likely hear Brad Stevens' name attached to that if things don't go well in Boston uh, in this postseason. So there's a lot of storylines out there that's going to, going to develop. And, again, like you said, that's five, six, seven, or, or, or that, or that, yeah, that four, five, six, seven, all of those teams are bunched up. One, two, three, four are all bunched up. And then seven, eight, nine, ten are all bunched up right there. So it's going to be a slugfest in the East. Talking NBA with Mike Wallace, of sen- uh, senior editor of Grind City Media, as he joins us here on Box to Row. We're going to step aside, take a break, come back, talk about the Western Conference, talk some LeBron, and get Mike's thoughts on who he thinks the MVP is right now. You're locked into Box to Row. All right, we're back here on Box to Row, talking some NBA with Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media. Before we even talk about the West, Mike, I want to get your thoughts on something LeBron had to say uh, during the course of the week. He mentioned that whoever made the the play-in scenario uh, should be fired. I think most people like uh, that scenario. I know I like it uh, for many different reasons. You know, I don't don't know. I want to get your thoughts. Is that more uh, him being frustrated uh, with the fact that maybe the Lakers could ultimately, I mean, be in that scenario? Yeah, I mean, we saw it, you know, two weeks ago. Mark Cuban, Luka Doncic came out and blasted the play-in uh, scenario because they were in, I think, seventh at that point, and they were like, okay, we did enough to be a top-17. Why shouldn't we, you know, why should we have to go play in this nonsense, so to speak? Uh, then when, when, when LeBron and those guys dipped all the way down to six and they were essentially tied uh, for that six and seven spot, you heard LeBron say what he said, and obviously LeBron knows his voice resonates 
uh, not just in the league, but beyond, you know, I mean, just in terms of just, you know, the social media landscape globally. So anything he says, if he's going to bring attention to it, you know, he's going to say what's on his mind and what he means. Now, the Lakers have no reason or no no business being anywhere near a play-in situation. But what they aren't going to do is jeopardize a short-term, you know, injury right now and try to rush these guys back. And, it, and if it's going to hurt their long-term chances in a seven-game playoff series. The Lakers feel, and rightfully so, that you get them in a seven-game playoff series, no matter what seed they go in at, as, they can beat you. They can steal back home court advantage and knock you out because eventually most of these teams that they're going up against in the West – aren't experienced at their level, right? So, you know, even the teams you look at at the top of the West right now, Utah and, and Phoenix, those two teams, yeah, they're one and two uh, in the West right now, but neither one of those teams has gotten to a Western Conference Finals in quite a long time, if ever, uh, in one case or another. So when you're looking at LeBron and you're looking at the Lakers across your chest, that's a lot to take on. So I, look, they, they're making noise about the play-in, but at the end of the day, the Lakers are going to avoid the play-in. They're going to get in. And then they're going to be a headache to deal with, especially if AD and LeBron are healthy. Yeah, you mentioned, you said something key. You said they feel like they can, you know, make it. But what I'm seeing, even with a healthy LeBron, and and by the way, as you know, he said, hey, I'll never be 100% in my career. That may be a little bit of hyperbole uh, right there. Uh, You know, AD, I mean, he's not 100%. I don't know. And and it's not even those guys. Like the other guys, Schroeder's hurt. The other guys aren't playing great. Like, do you think the Lakers can defend their championship? I I think they can. I mean, I I really do because the way they play, man, they slow the game all the way down and every possession matters. LeBron James is not going to be, you know, he's not going to be intimidated by any situation. Anthony Davis is playing with the confidence of knowing, hey, I got LeBron James at my back. Um, and, and then when you add in, you know, again, Mark, Mark Gasol is a guy that is smart. He's been through everything that you're going to see. And, and then, you know, Andre Drummond is another big body that's capable of rebounding and cleaning up the glass. Can they get better on the perimeter? Absolutely. They're going to need a guy like a Kyle Kuzma to come through and step up big time. They're going to need a Contavious Caldwell-Pope to come back and do what he needs to do. They're going to need Dennis Schroeder uh, to be solid. They're going to need all of those things. Um, And then when you talk about, you know, it's also the other team. That puts a lot of pressure on the other team, too, because the Lakers aren't going to beat themselves. You're going to have to beat them. And, you know, yeah, you can play with the Lakers. You can run with the Lakers. Hey, I'm speaking from experience. I've seen the Grizzlies do it twice, man. Get all the way down to the last two minutes, three minutes of a game, and then LeBron throws back those massive shoulders, gets the ball, and then he goes and goes to work and then finishes off the games. So if the Lakers get you in that kind of situation, they have an advantage. The question is, are they going to be healthy enough to keep doing it night in and night out? The West is wide open. I do respect Phoenix. I do definitely respect Utah. But those are two teams that you got to show me. you got to show me that you can get it done uh, when the stakes are highest in the playoffs, and we'll see if they can do it. Yeah, I was going to ask you uh, about the Suns. I mean, the ja- like we've seen the Jazz, and the Jazz yeah. to this point have proven that they can't get it done necessarily in the playoffs. Meanwhile, the Suns almost, I mean, it, they're flip-flopping. They're one and two, one and two. But it's like once the Suns get in, I, I don't know, they almost can play with a – uh, you know, just a free-flowing mentality. And speaking of MVPs, of course, Chris Paul, right in the run, has been outstanding this year for the Suns. Yeah, he has. He has, man. And, and our guy, our, our DMV guy, our DMV native, uh, my former high school, I was JV, but he was varsity, so I still claim high school teammate <laughs> Monty Williams, man, um, you know, is doing a great job, and he should be at the forefront of Coach of the Year uh, in terms of what he's done with Phoenix in that situation. So, you know, when, when you look at how they came from basically a top, a bottom three team in the West 
to a top two team in the West in a matter of two seasons, um, I mean, that speaks volumes, man, of what these guys have been able to do. And also, man, James Jones, man, one of my guys from Miami, played with the Heat from Miami, Carroll City. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that's running that front office or helping to run that front office. And, and you got to love the way they put that thing together. Uh, but again, they got to get to the post. See, like right now, whoever wins uh, the seventh and the eighth, they're not going to go in fearing one and two if it's Utah and if it's, and if it's Phoenix because neither one of those teams have done much either. So it's like, okay, let's take our chances and see what happens. I think everyone wants to avoid the Clippers and the Lakers. And what's going to end up happening, which is going to be a very, very, very bad and frustrating day for the league office, is when the Lakers and Clippers end up in that 3-6 and they got to play each other in the first round and one of them is going to knock the other one out uh, in the first round of the playoffs. And then you got to figure out what to do from there. But, you know, as long as that doesn't happen and you kind of get those two teams on the opposite ends of the bracket in the West, I think it's manageable. Follow Mike Wallace on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. He joins us here. He's the senior editor, of course, of Grind City Media. A couple of more thoughts. What about the Nuggets? Yeah. Like, they're playing well. You look at them in their last 10, 8, and 2, even without yeah. Jamal Murray. Yeah, even and, and that's been a surprise. And it's been a, a pleasant surprise for Michael Malone. Uh, Michael Malone is one of my favorite coaches in the league, man. I love the way that he communicates with his players. He gets the best out of those guys. Um, he activates everyone and makes them all feel involved. He finds roles for multiple guys up and down his rotation. Um, and it's not about him. It's it's about maximizing his roster. And he's been able to do that. I'm surprised he wasn't able to it's, – it's a shame he wasn't able to get more time in Sacramento because he really would have done wonderful things. When you look at Sacramento's roster, what Michael Malone could have gotten out of that roster. Now, I know it's changed over a couple of times since he's left, um, and, and they've had a couple of different uh, regimes come through there. But with Denver – I, because I do think they need that extra perimeter score. They have some injuries at the worst time right now. They've been able to overcome that in the regular season. Uh, but when you're able to isolate and get those guys uh, uh, in, in a playoff series, I want to sh- see how they come back and, and do it. I mean, they definitely need some guys to come back and get healthy. Jamal Murray, unfortunately, won't be one of them. But Jokic is playing at an MVP level. Uh, Michael uh, Porter Jr. is a guy that's, uh, that's really, really proven to be a star in this league. And then they just have to keep picking it up from there. Last thought, the, the Grizzlies, of course, the team yeah. that you cover very much, uh, you know, right? I mean, they're pretty solid in terms of that play-in. Um, you know, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on the way that they've played and then what kind of noise they could possibly make in the playoffs. Well, I mean, they're in. We talked about the East 7, 8, 9, 10. I mean, just look at the West 7, 8, 9, 10. And the caliber of teams that are in that right now, I mean, you're looking at this thing and you're saying, wow. You know, because Portland is right there. Uh, Portland, Dallas are, are fighting for the six-seven, uh, and then you got the Grizzlies, Golden State, uh, and then you got San Antonio right there too. Um, and, and you're looking at San Antonio, a five-time NBA champion. Golden State, a three-time NBA champion. Portland's been to the Western Conference Finals, got a dynamic backcourt with much experience. Um, and, and Dallas has Luka Doncic, one of the best young players in this league. Uh, there, there, there's no hiding in the West when it comes to seven, eight, nine, ten. No hiding at all. As a matter of fact, if you took away the play-in and on any other year in the last decade, you put those four teams up top and said they were one, two, three, four, you'd be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. San Antonio, Golden State, Portland, Dallas. You'd be like, all right, yeah, that makes sense. I can see them being one, two, three, four. But instead, they're seven, eight, nine, ten. So that means uh, it's going to be an intriguing postseason run. I think the, the Grizzlies are the youngest rotation in the league. Um, and for them to be in that discussion means that they're ahead of the curve right now. Uh, but they also need to hold on to this and, and see if they can really make some noise and at least continue their next level of evolution under John Morant. 
Jaron Jackson Jr. as he works his way back, and uh, Taylor Jenkins in this front staff, front off the staff. My bad, I I, I did say last off, but MVP. Who's your MVP right now? Ah, man, you would. The last question you would ask me would be the most difficult one <laughs> of all, man. Like MVP, Rookie of the Year, uh, Coach of the Year, all three of those, man. I, there's no clear no clear front runner for me. Like there's just absolutely none. But if I had to pick one. MVP right now, like right now, one MVP, I would reluctantly go with Joel Embiid. And I'm not saying reluctantly as a knock against Joel Embiid, but it's not like I'm just overwhelmingly endorsing Joel Embiid, right? Because I could easily see, you know, three or four other guys or five other guys that deserve to be in that discussion as well. So I'm going to go Joel Embiid as a default. Um, and, and then, you know, if, if, if you take the second pick and, you, and, and that guy wins it, then I'm, I'm totally fine with that too. Follow him on Twitter at MyMikeCheck. Also, read him at GrindCityMedia.com. He is the senior editor of GrindCityMedia.com. He is Mike Wallace. Joins us here on Box to Row. Mike, always appreciate the time, man. We look forward to talking with you, chopping it up about some NBA real soon. Hey, anytime, dude. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, brother. Mike Wallace, senior editor of Grind City Media, joining us on the program. You know, I – like, I – a couple of weeks ago, I was like, okay, I think the Clippers are the team that's going to come out of the West. I'm not necessarily backing down from that, but the Suns have really showed me something. Like the Jazz, I mean, the Jazz are playing great, don't get me wrong. I think the the issue is what the Jazz has done in the playoffs, and it hasn't been a whole lot. Not like the, I mean, it wasn't like the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers very much underachieved on last year but just something about the Clippers I, I, I I'm not as sold on them now as I was a couple of weeks ago I'm definitely not sold on the Lakers the Mavericks um no I'm not sold on the Mavericks I'm you know the West is wide open for me you know I I I'm beginning to really like the Jazz I think Chris Paul is I mean he's battle tested he's been in the league for the longest time he's had some ups and downs, particularly a lot of downs in terms of the playoffs, has yet to go to an NBA Finals. And I think he's hungry. I think he's got that team playing extremely well. So I'm not saying that the Suns are going to come out of the West. I'm just saying right now, I like the Suns. I mean, this thing is wide open, right? I mean, it's wide, wide open. It could be anybody's ball game. When I look at the East, um, you know, I like the Knicks, but I don't. I don't know. Think the Knicks can win a first round series? Can Can the Knicks win a second round series? I'm not sure about that. I like the way that the Bucks are playing. Two big wins over the Nets. Um, the Nets are going to be. You know, we haven't seen James Harden come back yet. I think once he comes back, I mean, I, I, I to me, the Nets are the team overall to beat. I'm not sleeping on the 76ers, but again. Got to see what the 76ers are going to do. You go back a couple of years ago, heartbreak when Kawhi Leonard knocks down that three-pointer to send them home. And then last year, uh, not I, – I mean, I don't want to say underachieving because it was COVID, but definitely the 76ers should have been better. The East is wide open as well. Up next here on Box to Row, going to talk with Connell Maynard, the head football coach of Alabama A&M. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at box to row and on Facebook at From the Press Box to Press Row. And don't forget to tell your friends to check out all of the latest from Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row.
The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Let's continue here on From the Press Box to Press Row, the Alabama A&M Bulldogs, as you know by now, HBCU National Champs, SWAC National Champs, after the Bulldogs' 40-33 to victory over Arkansas Pine Bluff in the SWAC championship game last Saturday in Jackson, Mississippi. In just his third season as the head football coach of the Bulldogs is Connell Maynard. I guess he joined us maybe a couple of weeks ago. He joins us again this time as the head coach of the champion Alabama A&M Bulldogs. Joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. What's going on, Coach Maynard, and congratulations. Thank you, uh, Donald, man. Not, not a lot's going on. Uh, just uh, taking it all in, man, and, uh, you know, it's a lot of hard work and a lot of trials and tribulations and changes and COVID and cancellation of games and fighting through and getting the team to buy in and just control what we can control, and finally it's all over and it's paid off, man. Yep, doesn't that? A lot that... of discipline, a lot of hard work. Yep, all of that, all of those things, particularly COVID, doesn't it make it sweeter? Yes, it does. It does, man. I mean, we went 33 games, 33 days, you know, in between games, you know, after our first game. Our next game was 33 days. So you're talking about sacrificing and, and buying in and believing and working hard and trying to motivate guys. Uh, it means so much more uh, for us to finish it and be able to uh, finish it off with a championship. Absolutely. Your thoughts, 40-33 to 33 hard-fought contest, one in which you had to come back down eight points there uh, right before the half and ultimately won the ball game. Yeah, it was a great game. Uh, we knew it was going to be a good game. Uh, Coach Gamble done a great job with those guys all year. They was undefeated, and they was there for a reason. You know, they was the best team uh, representing that side. So, uh, you know, we got to say and respect all and fear none. So, of course, we was going to respect those guys, uh, but we weren't going to fear them. And uh, they came out and showed us that they was ready to play. And they played us tough for uh, four quarters. Fortunately for us, we was able to make a couple more plays down the stretch than they did. Connell Maynard in his third season as the head football coach at Alabama A&M joins us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Assess Aquil Glass's performance. If you look at the numbers, 24-45, 271 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Assess his performance. Well, if you, if you, don't, if you take Aquil Glass' name off of it, you say, oh, man, that quarterback had a great game. You know, he threw for 275 yards. He was a little over 50% and um, had three touchdowns and one interception. Oh, that was a great game. They scored 40 points. But when you look at it as a Quill Glass performance, it wasn't one of his best. And uh, probably it was his worst of the season. No, probably the Carolina State game was the worst. But, you know, it was like it wasn't one of his great games, you know, what you're accustomed to seeing, the way he comes to him playing, because he's normally a high percentage and don't throw interceptions. And, and he throws, you know, four or five touchdowns. So, it was a good. It was a good performance. It was a winning performance, and that's all that matters. He played well enough for us to win the football game. Uh, even though he got hit and fumbled, and he scored seven points, and he did throw one interception. Uh, he played well enough for us to win the football game. Uh, like you said, we were down a lot, and we had to keep scoring to to uh, take the lead back, and uh, then we had to the score and go ahead, take the go ahead lead. So uh, he played. He played a lot better the second half uh, than he did the first half. What does it mean? You know, it's interesting because you're one of a very few coaches that have led uh, different teams or different programs to national championships. You go back uh, to that national championship, 2000, 
2012, I believe that was in in the Boxero Media Poll, um, and, mm-hmm. and of course the, now the undisputed between the coaches and the media this year. But then you add to that a national championship as the quarterback of ANT. I don't know if that. I mean, I don't know if anybody else has ever done that. But what does it mean to have led two programs to HBCU national championships and then? being a national champion as a player as well? That means I had a lot of good teammates that was good players and a, and a good football coach at A&T and Bill Hayes uh, for us to win that national championship. I've had a lot of good football players uh, in my programs at uh, Winston-Salem State University and we was able to win back-to-back Black College National Champs in 11 and 12. And then uh, here at Alabama A&M, uh, I got good football players. I got a great quarterback. I got great receivers. And I've uh, got a good offensive line. And, and a good defense. So, and I got good coaches, and, and that's what it means. You mean it means you got a good program. It means you got good players. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, only the co- the head coach and the quarterback is going to get the wins and the losses. So, they got to give it to somebody. So they give it to me. Let me ask you this: You know, as a guy that played pro football, won four, count them, four championships in the Arena Football League. Um, this past year was the first time since the first. Uh, HBCU player was drafted. I'm sure you know this back in 1950, Robert Stonewall Jackson out of A&T, uh, that we did not have a single HBCU player drafted into the National Football League. Does that, do you feel like that is something that could, you know, for all the things that are going on right now and as hot as HBCU is, do you feel like some kids could look at that and say, well, th- th- you know, players aren't even, I mean, you may get your opportunity as a free agent, which is cool, but players uh, this year aren't drafted. You go back, you look at the last couple of years, you may have had, you know, one player in res- that is drafted in respective drafts. Donald, to be honest with you, I think COVID had a lot to do with that because we didn't play last fall, and we're playing now. FCS playoffs are still going on, and we just finished. So you're talking about drafting a player that's still playing, uh, you know, they're probably not going to do that. And also, the players that are playing, the seniors like Aquil Glass, can come back and play in the fall. So the guys that were seniors like Aquil Glass that was going to was going to go into the draft didn't play this year, didn't play in the fall or the spring. So, therefore, their stock or their draft status could have dropped because they didn't play and they was already coming from HBCU. But it's one thing I know, Donald. If you can play, they're going to find you. Okay, you don't have to be at Alabama. You don't have to be at Clemson because John Stallworth came from Alabama A&M. Yep. And, and uh, Walter Payton came from Jackson. And Jerry Rice came from Mississippi Valley. Okay, and Michael Strahan came from Jackson over there. So if you can play, they're going to find you. Okay, so we just had a didn't have a great year this year of being drafted. Uh, we got being drafted. But we got guys getting free agent shots. And if you can play, they're going to find you. So I, I, I really think COVID had a whole bunch of a lot to do with it this year. And I think next year we'll get, we'll get a couple guys drafted. You know, hopefully a Quill Glass will get drafted next year. And maybe Zay Brown Moore, uh, you know, my quarterback and my wide receiver. So we'll see. But uh, the guys just got to keep grinding and uh, keep playing hard, keep making plays. And if you can make plays, they're going to find you. Yeah, it would be great for a Quill Glass. I mean, he, he, if he does, he'd be the, he's one of the top 25 quarterbacks in all of college football and if he did he'd be the first uh kid uh, if he gets drafted from an hbcu since um uh tavaris jackson uh, back in alabama state in in 2006 
did you have an opportunity? Like, did, as great a quarterback as you were, and that, I mean, it wasn't before my time, but it was before I really got into HBCU like that. Like, I know you played in the Arena Football League, four championships, great quarterback. Did you get your opportunity in the National Football League? I did not. You know, I I I thought I had a great opportunity. Um, I was playing baseball. I also played baseball in college. And uh, so after my senior year, I was going to play in baseball in the spring. And uh, Ron Jaworski came by. He was a scout for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he came by and watched my tape and uh, and said he loved it after my junior year, actually, going into my senior year. So he was like, look, we love the tape. We're definitely going to be back. We got an eye on Maine, and we're definitely going to be back to watch him play in the fall. And uh, we really like him. At the time, Buddy Ryan was the head coach, and uh, Randall Cunningham was the starting quarterback. So I felt like, oh, the Eagles came and they was interested. Oh, yeah, that's great. They already got Randall Cunningham. I said, okay, that's great. They already got one black quarterback. They they really serious about this thing. And lo and behold, uh, after that season, Buddy Ryan got fired, and so did Brian Jaworski, and they changed head coaches and scouts and went in different directions. So wow. uh, that was about close as I came, man. Wow. But, I mean, your time in the Arena League, I mean, you got you to play where you are. And you were in the Arena Football League, and you won uh, – championship is a championship. You won four championships there. I mean, that must have been a great time. It was. It was. And that's what I tell people. Control what you can control, you know. Uh, be the best at whatever it is. Be the best a black college head football coach or SWAT coach or FCS coach or CIAA coach or NAIA coach or high school coach, you know, uh, AAU coach. Just be the best coach you can be wherever you are. Thank the Lord for that, and then he will promote you on. If you don't think of a way he's blessing you for now, he's not going to bless you with anything else, you know. You know you're not thanking him for the house you live in now that's, uh, uh, 1,800 square feet, he's not going to bless you with a house at 3,500 square feet. You know, so just cherish where you at. Be the best you can be where you at. And uh, be prepared for your opportunity. And when you get it, take, make, make it count. I always tell my players, don't count your reps. Make your reps count. Mm. Mm. Last thought. How long do you enjoy? I mean, I know you're uh, – <laughs> you're, it's interesting. Like, I, you know, I remember when you were at Winston – you know, when it's the off-season, man, the basketball games are going on, you're in it with the students, you're out there throwing the balls and all that. You're, like, really into it. Um, but you got a short window here uh, this time around. I mean, how long do you really get to enjoy this before you're back rocking and rolling, preparing for the fall of 2021? Uh, to be honest with you, probably about a month, you know, probably about a month. Uh, the guys come back for summer school in June. And uh, we got to we got to get back and start grinding, man. We got to uh, self scout and um, see what we need to improve on. See where we 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 did the worst at, and and self scout and make sure we're not doing the same stuff and throw people off and and stay ahead because everybody's gonna work extra hard to try to catch up to us, and we got to work extra hard to uh, try to stay ahead. But uh, Don, I tell you this: last week, last week I uh, about. We had a girls' softball game about 1 o'clock, and the, the, the coach texts about 2 o'clock and uh, wanted some support. And I called over to the office, and I told the guys, uh, let's go out to the softball field. We're going to go support the softball team. And I told them, get out of the office for about 45 minutes. And uh, we all went out. They, all, all the coaches left out last week during championship week. Uh, for 45 minutes, I told him get out of the office, get some air. We're going to go to the softball field and support the softball team uh, at this home game. So uh, you're right. Uh, I, I'm 100% bought in on 
on the other sports. You know, I went to the baseball games this year. I went to the basketball games, uh, a soccer game. So I try to support all the sports, man. I Because, you know what, on Saturdays, they normally support us. So anytime I get an opportunity to find an hour or 30 minutes to go run out there and support one of those programs, I always do it. And last week, during the championship week, I had my whole staff out of the softball game. Mm, that's a great thing because that 45 minutes means a lot. Still able to win that game 40 to 33, especially yeah. championship week against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Connell Maynard, three years in as the head football coach at Alabama A&M, joining us here on From the Press Box to Press Row. Coach Maynard, always great to catch up with your continued success in all you do. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Thank you to Mike Wallace and Connell Maynard for joining us today here on Box to Row. And thank you for joining me each week right here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM Channel 84. Hope you're enjoying the show. Tell a couple of friends about Box to Row here on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. Going to end the show as we do each Mother's Day weekend. And happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there. Enjoy your time. Enjoy your weekend. And we'll catch back up with you next week. And always remember to support those that support you. Box Toro is presented by DW Communications. Don't cry, mama. The baby boy didn't weather the storm. And I found peace right here in your arms. By the way, how you getting to the norm? I know it's been tough bearing the pain since daddy's been gone. But all in all, you still stood tall and never shed a tear. I'm thanking God you're still here. Because only heaven knows all my heartaches and setbacks. Going from a high school dropout to shoveling wet wax. And I never gonna forget that. Look in your eyes when you told me that my grandfather died. It was like nothing had happened. And I'm knowing that you're missing, but to accept death is just a sign of a good Christian. And I've listened to your words, and I've lived it in life. And I've taken step by step, but I've taken it Christ. Taking it Christ. Knowing I can't make it alone. You told me not to buy your new house because in heaven's your home. And as hurt as I was, I had to smile with you. And thank God that we crossed paths to one strong sister. And I'm never going to forget you. Heaven sent us an angel, and the world won't miss you. Mom. All I hear is praying, I keep saying, boss.